Welcome to the Lifeboat Hour, Sunday, October 18, 2015, beginning the week of my launch of a Northern California tour covering Sebastopol, Chico, Grass Valley, and Nevada City. Meanwhile, the United Nations gears up for its COP21 climate conference in late November and early December. And joining me today on the Lifeboat Hour is my friend and team member, Peter Melton. And we're going to talk a bit about both the Northern California Tour and the UN Climate Conference. But first, I must share this story published this week on grist.org, in which Bolivia delivers a stirring manifesto to the UN consisting of 10 structural solutions to the climate crisis. And at the top of the list, the adoption of a new model of civilization in a world without consumerism, commercialism, and warmongering, a world without capitalism. Well, good on you, Bolivia. You're probably the only country from which we'll hear this kind of intelligent language on the topic of catastrophic climate change. First of all, let me welcome my co-host today, Peter Melton. How are you, Peter? Hello, Carolyn, and fellow lifeboaters. I am well today. I'm down in Southern California where there's some delightful mud sliding and, and some rain where I am now, so happy for the rain, but also brings out that feeling of a lifeboat in a little different way. Yeah, absolutely. Be careful down there. Don't go sliding around in the mud. Uh, we're we're going to need you next week for this uh, for this wonderful tour. Um, yeah, Peter's, very excited for that. <laughs> Peter's been on the Lifeboat Hour twice in recent months, and I'm very grateful for to him for all of the hard work that he's done in arranging all the different facets of this tour. And I think we're going to have a great time in Northern California. Peter, what do you think? Yes, absolutely. I I just love uh, being supportive this way and getting to meet face to face with folks that are are aware of the situation and striving to do their best, be their best uh, in the midst of it all, and and daring to feel the feelings at the same time. Well, good for you, and it's wonderful to have you on board in this lifeboat. Um, let's just briefly review the schedule of the tour, and then we're going to go on to some other things. Um, next Saturday, or next Friday night, rather, the 23rd of October, I'm going to be giving a public talk in Sebastopol, California, with a workshop the next day and a workshop for at least part of the day on Sunday. That's the 23rd through the 25th. The Earthrise yeah. Collective yeah, presents Earth. – I'm sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the same thing. Okay. Yeah, the Earthrise Collective presents Resilience in Chaotic Times, uh, and you can register for that at uh, the Earthrise Collective, or you can go to my website at carolynbaker.net and find the links for all of these different events. That's a, terrific, that's a terrific group of people up there in Sebastopol and surrounding areas. They put on a great uh, event with Francis Weller a few months ago that I went to and got to meet them. And, and this is the kind of action we're talking about people taking, you know, when they, they hear about and they feel into what's going on. And then it's, what do I do? And, and here's a great group of people. Big thanks to the Earthrise Collective for, for saying we're going to share some, some wonderful speakers in our area. And, and so we're looking forward to playing there in Sebastopol. 
Yeah, and then on the 27th, uh, we're going to be in Chico. That's on a Tuesday night, I believe, uh, at the Chico Peace and Justice Center. From 6.30 to 8 o'clock, I'll be doing a talk, and then from 8.30 to 10, I'll actually be doing a workshop. And the topic of the workshop is the global crisis as our spiritual practice. Who are you being called to be during this great unraveling? So we want you to join us, uh, folks in Chico, as we help each other remember our connection to the earth, to ourselves, and to each other. The yeah, Chico- I love it up there. Used to used to live there in Chico and have family up there, and and a bunch of great folks doing good work uh, in the Chico area. Had a chance to take Guy McPherson up there several times in the past couple of years, and always had a great response from the folks up in up in Chico. And of course, there's a university and a powerful junior college there also that that helps liven things up up there yeah and we want to let people know that in chico grass valley and nevada city uh these all of these events are free but we do request donations on the 29th i'm going to be at the open book bookstore in grass valley from 6 30 to 8 i'll be doing a presentation and a kind of a general talk and then again from 8 30 to 10 uh, part one of a workshop Again, global crisis as our spiritual practice. And then um, that event is going to continue. The part two of it is going to continue the next day in Nevada City at the Nevada County Helling Library from 10 a.m. to 3. This is going to be an experiential workshop, a wonderful opportunity for all of us to get together and share and talk uh, and, and support each other in just moving forward in whatever ways we feel called in this time of crisis. And all sessions standalone. If you can't attend part one of the workshop, but you want to attend part two, please contact us to explore that possibility. And as we said, the workshops are free events and donations are requested. Again, you can get all the details on my website at carolynbaker.net. So, uh, Peter, let's talk a little bit about why in-person events are so important and why the tools for emotional and spiritual preparation that we're bringing to Northern California are so urgent. And also, you know, why is it important for us to do this in person? You know, why not just do something on Facebook or, you know, put together a webinar or something? What do you think? Well, it's been powerful for me in particular, just to speak from my personal experience, to to meet with other people who are daring to educate themselves, daring to step into what does action look like, and daring to step into those dark emotions, you know, which is really the key to the, the whole process that we're in now. There's this education that's happening about, wow, okay, there is a problem. Uh, what is this problem, and how might we move on it? And then the step into action, and, and who am I? Uh, amidst this fact uh, or of things going south on us. And, and so meeting in person, forming local groups, getting to sit down for a few hours at a time or more and say, wow, this is what I'm feeling. What are you feeling? How can we support each other? It's just obviously a different human connection when you're face-to-face with somebody than when you're on the on the Facebook or even on the phone. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, you bring up a really important point there, which um, I'm going to talk about a little later in the show. But um, 
You know, there is so little support out there in the media and in this whole conversation about catastrophic climate change, so little support for how do we live in the face of this. You know, it's like do your recycling or, you know, write a petition or sign a petition, uh, support the the next climate conference, um, write letters to your congressman or, you know, all of these things. Uh, that have to do with doing, and they're important, but very little instruction for people about or suggestions for how they might live in the face of this catastrophe. I mean, do you notice that, Peter? Absolutely. It's it's a wild, paradoxical situation we've created for ourselves to bring out the most of humanity that we can. I mean, we we find ourselves in this amazing puzzle and not sure that we were given the brain power or have evolved the brain power to work ourselves out of out of the monkey trap uh, as McPherson likes to call it where we've reached our hand in and we've grabbed the fruit of civilization and growth and more and and now we can't pull it out to actually move forward or enjoy even enjoy those things in the long run and boy we're we're just got ourselves in a great pickle and in order to to move into that action phase, to move into bringing out the best, I think we have to take that step back inward to find the motivation. What's going to drive me to want to step out into the forefront of this uh, as we're all very early adopters, anyone listening here or even anyone that you might share this with, still very early adopters in this overall story. Yeah, and you know... um something that you and I have talked about this week and 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 I think it just naturally flows from from this going inside and and being with the inner world on this topic is the whole uh, idea of apology you know there there is uh, this is kind of the last thing we think about uh, in terms of climate change the ways in which we've participated knowingly or unknowingly in this monkey trap, as you call it. Um, And, you know, it's really important, I'm finding, to make apologies, particularly to the younger generations, for what we have left them. And I don't know about you, but when I go out into nature, um, I go out into nature and contemplate a lot and just, just be with nature and uh, one of the things I do is I apologize to the species. I apologize to the trees and the birds and the animals. Um, you know, I just I just verbalize. I name what we have done, and and it feels it feels like the really right thing to do. And when I apologize to younger humans, uh, I often get a, a surprised uh, but grateful response of Wow, no older person has ever said that to me. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, I think if we trace it all back, the bottom line is we lost our connection with the delicate web of life that we are merely a very small part of. And so to to dare, you know, we're so caught up in moving forward and even moving forward to try to solve a problem like this one that it's very counterintuitive to stop and reverse ourselves back to once again find that deep truth, that deep humanity, that that inspiration and power to move forward. But that's exactly what can happen when you go back to nature 
when you go back to however it works for you, meditation or, or even exercises or yoga or music or arts or nature, whatever it is that drives you, it's an individual adventure here. There's no right way to do it. But going back to that place and owning your spot as a, a small part of a delicate web of life and then moving forward from that. And I find apology. Just two nights ago, I sat down with uh, some friends and we were just on the on the balcony enjoying an evening of chat together, and the topic turned to what about the state of the world, and, and I gracefully, I thought I'm going to give it a try. I said, you know what, what came up for me recently was this idea to just start to say I'm sorry and see what comes out as, as I explore the state of the world and, and where we're heading for, for our own time here. Uh, and also for the time of the future generations and the other species. And, and just daring, it's, it's a real good exercise that we'll be doing on the tour of, of just start to say, I'm sorry that I didn't realize what was going on. I'm yeah. sorry that I was so caught up in, the, in this whirlwind of consumerism. I'm sorry that my, for me, it shows up as my nephews, you know, nieces and nephews that are young. I'm sorry that you're not going to get to, play in this wonderful land that I got to play in. I'm sorry. And just see what shows up in that bigger web of life scenario. Well, if you're, if you're willing, uh, tell us a little bit about what has shown up for you as you've shared this with relatives. Yeah, so well, I'll start with just what happened the other day. So I, I said to this, this couple, who I didn't know exactly how in tune they were, but when I opened the door, the, the female was a couple, the mom slash female friend, and she's almost 40, and to give you a time frame there, and she's got three kids who are in their teens, and, and she went into, yeah, we are supposed to be the stewards for this planet, you know, mm-hmm. and we, mm-hmm. did, we didn't do that. And, and I kind of chimed in with her. It's like, well, it wasn't our fault, but at the same time, it happened on our call, and on our on our time here, and she just continued to say, we, but we didn't do it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and she owned it that she wasn't, you know, I can't claim that I'm an amazing person in this category of conservation or environmentalism or even, you know, uh, I think she even said recycling, you know, that that we have to own that wow, we, we were unable to spark change, but at the same time, we're feeling that now because it's becoming obvious enough. It's getting into the mainstream. Here, you just talked about, you know, this, uh, this manifesto that the Bolivian government is presenting that it's coming out. And how can, now that I'm awakened to that, that apology, I'm awakened to the fact that I didn't do as much as I could for whatever reason, that maybe now I can. And I think deep in the human psyche, there's this, there's this energy. I, sometimes I call it the emergency energy. We show up in a whole different way during an emergency than we do in normal life. And so really we just, part of the story here is we need to own the fact that we're in an emergency and then begin to find that energy to act now for the sake of ourselves, for the sake of future human generations, but, but even more, I think, for that delicate web of life that we have to own our part in. 
Well, it's interesting you say that we have to own that we're in an emergency. You know, I think for me that's the first step. And and I see so very few people being willing to own that because, you know, when you say emergency, um, that's frightening to a lot of people, emergency room, emergency this and that. Um, but, you know, I've always loved, you know, kind of breaking down the word emergency because it has the word emergence in it. And and that's what my work is all about. As you know, Peter, with helping me for the last few months um, and, and our working together, is, is this whole this whole experience of this catastrophic event, uh, this ongoing event, is an opportunity for us to emerge, to become the full human beings that we're meant to be, to really deep down, reach deep down in and discover what our humanity is all about. Yeah, boy, and there's the title of the of the workshops that we're doing, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the um, it's the global crisis as our spiritual practice, our spiritual calling, our connection to that deeper part of ourselves. To who are we beyond our humanity? What what is this story that we are a part of now? And I believe we're we're waking up. We are emerging to to remembering to awakening to where we are in this big story. And another article that you you sent me to um, recently that'll probably be in the digest tomorrow about um, Naomi Klein's book that's now coming out as a movie this week. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about everything. The- I want to talk about that movie in a moment, but um, before I do, you know, I want to mention the story that I posted in the Daily News Digest today. More than 400 U.S. cities may be past the point of no return with rising sea levels. Um, Just wrap your mind around that for a moment. More than 400 U.S. cities may be past the point of no return with rising sea levels. And you mentioned, Peter, being in a place of of some flooding and deluge. And so the mention of this story seems like a very appropriate segue into a song that couldn't be more timely. Let's listen to it now. Jackson Brown singing Before the Deluge. Back 
that was Jackson Brown singing Before the Deluge, and this is the Lifeboat Hour. I'm your host, Carolyn Baker, and I'm speaking today with my friend and team producer, Peter Melton, about the upcoming Paris, Peace Con- or Paris Climate Conference and my Northern California tour starting October 23rd. Uh, so, Peter, right now you, me, and Dean Spillane Walker are creating an online symposium which we plan to air in January, in which we've interviewed a number of strong voices in the climate change global crisis awareness circle who are going to be speaking to us about the emotional, spiritual aspects of the crisis, not from their heads, offering more information, but from their hearts, sharing with us how the crisis is affecting them personally. And after they speak, Participants are going to have the opportunity to ask questions and join in discussion with them and and with each other on the topics that they've addressed. This is going to be a seven- to eight-week series that's um, probably going to be unlike anything most people have experienced online in terms of, of people really speaking honestly and heartfully about our predicament. Um, it's it's not going to be an in-person event, but I think it will be a unique opportunity to connect online in a way that goes much deeper than commenting on a blog or posting a comment on Facebook. Well, Peter, would you like to say more about the symposium from your perspective? Yeah, you know, as as we were daring to explore, how can we reach more people? How can we enhance the conversation? What's next to be said and felt and experienced. You know, we came up with this idea to to do this symposium with interaction where some of these some of these leaders, some of these collapse aware leaders will dare to open their hearts and share what it feels like to report on this issue, to to do the research, to feel into this. And so next best thing to being face to face with someone um, is, in our opinion, maybe they use the technology and, and get to hear somebody probe their deep emotions and then share back and forth. So I'm, I'm really excited about that program coming out the first of the year. So we'll surely keep you posted on, on all of that. And as we all dare to feel into this, you know, who, who am I being called to be question? How can I? How can my humanity show up in the grandest way, and and not to get stuck with the information, or even in the next phase to get stuck with this feeling? You know, uh, like the song was saying, to keep our spirits high. How do we right. find inspiration? How do we find inspiration when it's so easy to spiral the other direction? And that's what we're hoping to spark with the well, with the tour events, with the radio show, with your digest. Carolyn also is an amazing counselor and very possibly has counseled more people than anyone else on the planet uh, regarding collapse and what that means and what that means to you emotionally and your family and your choice of, of priorities. And so all these different avenues uh, targeting at the same thing, but, but just coming from slightly different sides. You know, we, uh, we've interviewed some, some really amazing people. Um, one of the people that comes to mind, you interviewed, Peter, uh, Dar Jamail, who's just a fabulous uh, climate writer. He writes for the Truthout website. 
Um, what, what did you notice about Dar and, and your interactions with him? And I know you've talked with him just you know prior to the interview. That's not the only interaction you've had. But um, what's your sense of what he brings to the table? Yeah, you know, uh, Dar at Truth Out, Dar Jamel, um, he has dared to dive as deep as possible and then write about it, not only the details but his feelings there at Truth Out. If you haven't connected with that yet, be sure uh, Dar is D-A-H-R, Jamail, J-A-M-A-I-L, truthout.org. Um, he, he has also done amazing work in Iraq, uh, to put himself there and to experience people going through this um, amazing shifts and changes in their lives that to some degree are out of their control and how do we how do we deal with life when it shows up in such a different way so he's now uh, full steam into the climate world and and man to he has just put his heart into that and to be with him and to hear him you know, again, deal with both sides. How can you really sink your teeth into what appears to be happening to our planet and the delicate web of life and at the same time find that inspiration, you know, to look at the beauty of nature and, and behold the wonder of what it is we have created at the same time holding that we've missed the aim so drastically in so many other places. And so these are these are examples of people who have dared to go there and find themselves still very inspired. And that's really the trick. And what we're up to here is, is can we dare to look at it all? Can we befriend the dark emotions? Can we dare to go there and actually come out the other side more inspired to our humanness and the glory of, of who we are? And uh, he's, a, he's a beautiful example yeah, and then we have some other really amazing people. Not, I want to add, not necessarily big names, um, but we do have Derek Jensen, who who's given us a wonderful interview, and his interviews are always deep, deep, deep. There's there's nothing shallow about them. Um, we have a, another person, uh, Mick Collins from the UK, who's a psychotherapist and has written a wonderful book called The Unselfish Spirit. Um, he he gives some amazing, heartful stuff to us uh, from his perspective. And then uh, as far as women, we have Jenea Donaldson, who is the producer of Peak Moment TV. Um, I had a wonderful interview experience with her, uh, really juicy material. Also, Linda Bazell, who is an eco-psychologist and ecotherapist in Northern California, and uh, Becca Martinson, partner of Chris Martinson of peakprosperity.com. Uh, Becca is also a uh, life coach and therapist and just gives us wonderful, wonderful, juicy stuff regarding uh, dealing with all of this emotionally and spiritually. So we're going to have an amazing symposium to share with the world in January. Yeah, looking forward to that. One of the things that really helps people want to get involved uh, in something like this is the confidence that there's other people doing it with them. And yeah. so we get the, the movements that are, are getting stronger now, the climate movement that obviously had a major peak with the, with the March last year and many things that are planned now for November um, to make sure that the world sees uh, here with this COP21 coming up that there's a bunch of people behind 
this idea that we've got to look at what's going on in a whole different way. We can't just keep charging. We can't we can't keep thinking the that there's unlimited resources on a finite planet. And uh, so 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 more and more people as I imagine this movement of awareness, you know, more people chiming in to say, Yes, I understand that there's a problem and we need to do something. I'm gonna put some of my energy behind that and look, here's a march that I'm gonna go be part of or here's another talk or here's a symposium or here's a new book or Naomi Klein's new movie I think has a chance to be one of those catalyst moments um, where people can come together and agree on something that perhaps capitalism is part of the problem. You know, that we need to look at all the dots that are, are happening here. Naomi Klein's uh, new book, This Changes Everything, well, not so new anymore, but but the movie that they were making at the same time, or even they're making the movie even before they were writing the book, um, This Changes Everything is coming to theaters and community screenings near you starting in a couple of days. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit, Peter. Um, maybe, you know, and, and I want to do a both and here. I want to say uh, good on you, Naomi Klein, and your husband, Avi Lewis. Uh, good on you guys for, for what you're doing here. Um, I, I support you, and, and I've got some questions as well. So, Peter, maybe you saw the article in Common Dreams and other sites this morning by Avi Lewis. Um, Naomi's husband, it's about being joyful in the face of climate change. And I definitely agree with his statement that we need a new story that's completely different from the endless domination of the earth. Avi says, I think it's pretty clear that a view of the world in which man dominates and exploits nature endlessly, um, and I use the gender pronoun man very intentionally there, because historically that's been the case, is a very profitable one for the very few, and therefore we have a culture and a system which reinforces that message at every turn. And it's modern incarnation that the free market, this mysterious force, will solve all of our problems for us as long as we ruthlessly pursue our self-interest. And then he goes on to say, and I actually believe, speaking for myself personally, that hope is a choice and that despair is an indulgence that we simply don't have time for. And and this is where I disagree with him. Um, I want to talk a little bit about despair and actually about the value of despair because what I see in his remarks and, and many other uh, people who talk about climate change is a polarization of hope and despair. Um, these folks you know, kind of talk about what hope looks like. Well, hope looks like um, you hold out for, you know, the governments of the world are going to get together and they're going to do something meaningful about climate change that can actually reverse it or stop it. And then despair, they say, looks like, well, you just uh, you just forget about it. You say, screw it. We're screwed. Put on your favorite pair of pajamas. Go to the bed and pull your cover, the covers over your head. Take your favorite drug of choice or whatever. That's not what it, oh, those two things look like for me. Um, for me, despair is often a very useful place to be in that can motivate us into change. It can, doesn't always, but it can motivate us into taking action and especially doing this inward journey that I'm talking about that we need to make in order to explore our deeper humanity in these really dire times. And, and hope 
you know, you and I, Peter, have talked about this a whole bunch. Um, hope is often a drug in itself. And the way I'm kind of framing things these days is very much along the lines of Stephen Jenkinson as he writes about um, death and grief, um, that what we need is not hope, um, not to be hopeful, not to be hopeless, but hope-free. In other words, to be able to ask ourselves, well, what if there is no hope uh, of of climate change being reversed or even slowed down? What if we are on a trajectory of total destruction of our species and thousands of others? Um, you know, and how do we live in the face of that? Um, in the article, Avi, Avi Lewis uh, uses the word transformation a lot. And I understand from people who've seen this movie that he uses it a lot in this movie as well, transformation, the kind of transformation I think he's specifically talking about is intellectual and political rather than the transformation of consciousness of the human species from which my perspective is at the core of this crisis. And by that I mean that human consciousness created the crisis we're facing and without a transformation of that consciousness, nothing changes. It's possible, only possible, that transformation of consciousness could produce some kind of world phenomenon that would dramatically slow down or reverse climate change. That would be a miracle, and I do believe in the possibility of miracles. But what my work is about is the transformation of consciousness, whether we physically survive or not, because for me, that's the one and only place to find meaning in this horror. Do you have any thoughts on that, Peter? Whoosh. <laughs> I almost just wanted to be a smart aleck and say, no, next topic, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> because that really goes to the heart of it all uh, from so many angles that, that human consciousness, what do we even think human consciousness is? Right. You know, when, when we tease apart these bigger questions, we, we dare to take ourselves like one thing you said, what if it is, what if it is that there's no way to turn it around? And somewhere things are going to go downhill in the next 10 years, and then the 20 years after that will be really bad, and then most of the people will be gone. What if that's the case? Mm-hmm. What, what's true for you? And it's a great exercise for you out there in listener land to just be with that question and, and journal a little bit. What if that is true? Who, who are you feel called to be? And there's no wrong answer. You can obviously say, I don't want to deal with it, and I'm going to just milk as much out of this as I can, and that's perfectly understandable. Or you may find yourself really drawn to some certain category, whether it's politics or whether it's, you know, a certain species that you want to help or whatever it is. But just dare to find what's true for yourself. And also what's true when you look at that level deeper to say, what is human consciousness trying to do? What's the story from that deeper level? Whether you want to call that spirituality or not, doesn't even matter. It's, it's that deeper, that, that place beyond our humanity that is yelling at us right now, that is saying, wow, here it is, here's this chance for human consciousness to evolve, to know that it's evolving, to be aware of its own evolution, and aware of the fact that we are consciously evolving at this very moment, and and that each of us individual little hunks of consciousness are the agents of evolution happening on this planet. 
and whether humanity survives or some form of this civilization survives for another 100 or 200 years or whatever doesn't even matter. What matters is that that magic moment of, of now, the only moment that we have, that, that it, can I own, when I own that I'm part of this delicate web of life, can I go a level deeper and own that I'm a part of the delicate web of consciousness, of metaphysical life, of what's beyond the physical realm that we feel and see and taste and sense? What is this consciousness? What is this urge? What is this feeling of love and care and all these things that are intertwined in what consciousness is? That it's not just our mental meanderings, that there's so much more lurking there. And for some people, like myself and you and many others, we're drawn to to tease out, to play with this question, this deeper, ah, what is this consciousness thing? And what could the story be? Talk about need a new story. We need a new story from the human perspective, and we need a new story from the consciousness perspective. Whew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll take a big breath on that one, just like you took a big breath after my spiel. <laughs> Yeah, boy, we're, Thank we're playing, playing with some big stuff. Yeah, we really are. We really are. It's, Before, it's so... let's, let's not leave. Let's not leave that though, Carolyn. What is what comes up for you as you as you dare to? You know, so often you're interviewing other people, and I I just want to almost flip the the table a little bit. What comes up with you for you in in all the exploration and writing that you've done and exploring? What is this consciousness piece for you? What is the story of of human consciousness? Well, it has to do with who I am and who you are in our essence. Uh, that that's something very different from our ego and our personality. And, uh, you know, we talked a while ago about going back into history. And the way that I like to go back is very much through indigenous peoples and their traditions. And, you know, this is what we have gotten separated from is is this uh, ancient, these ancient traditions uh, that teach us about this essence within ourselves. And it starts really in, in many indigenous traditions with, you know, from the moment of conception, that uh, in a village, for example, when a woman realizes she's pregnant, you know, immediately uh, the elders gather around her and they start listening at her belly to, to what this, the wisdom that this child is bringing in and from that very moment when they know she's conceived, that is when they start tending this child. Not when the child's born, but from the moment of conception. And, and so there's this whole procedure of listening to the child, uh, having dreams about the child, preparing the way for this child. And then after the child is born, preparing that child for a rite of passage experience, which is just one of the most, it's it's one of the sweetest and yet the most daunting of of experiences that a child can have in an indigenous culture because there's so much love and care that goes into it and it's also a brush with death that is a horrible ordeal but it forces the young person to reach down inside them and find out who they really are then they come forth not only as an adult a man or woman but then they have this deep connection with their essence, with true consciousness, with the divine within, um, from which they can live their adult lives and then themselves become elders to turn around and teach the younger ones behind them. 
So that's what comes up for me when we talk about consciousness. So you also mentioned rites of passage. So mm-hmm. as you as you keep yourself in this zone, what do you what is the human consciousness rite of passage happening now? Well, this is what I'm going to be talking about for, you know, in in most of these events that I'm going to be doing because I see this global crisis as an initiatory experience, a rite of passage for the human species. And, you know, I'm going to be talking about ways that we can respond to rites of passage that will get the most out of them and ways that we can respond inappropriately that will just blow them off and make them meaningless, which is what most of humanity is doing right now. How do we get the juice out of this amazing experience and use it for the transformation of our own consciousness and and the consciousness of every living thing around us, you know? Um, that's that's what the rite of passage is for me. Mm. Yeah, that's and what it, we're and being. I connect, I connect to this. There's a there's a knowingness that as we as we own that we are human consciousness. Also, that that consciousness, from my perspective, lives on. It right. doesn't end. It is right. a, a a an entity of its own that each of us are contributing to. And this is part for me when I when I dare to sit with. What if humanity doesn't make it? Mm-hmm. What if we do end up extinct, as every other species ever has always done, some stage? What what does that mean to the story of humanity? That that story is still written. That story is still felt and lived within this amazing, whatever you want to call it, human consciousness. And so that, as I mentioned before, that we're individual agents of this this evolution, this conscious self-evolution and conscious group evolution, that we're still writing. Each of us is writing in that, that grand storybook of humanity with, with every day that we live. And so it doesn't, the ending of humanity doesn't end the story of humanity. Hmm. Absolutely. I've never, never said it that way before, but that's <laughs> it. It's just ringing true in a deeper way that that we're more than our bodies, and Absolutely. That, that perhaps for some, this idea of consciousness, infinite consciousness, or consciousness that lives on beyond us, um, set aside whatever your spiritual beliefs might be, and find a place where you can just own that what we're doing lives on, and so every action that we do is is written in this book of life, if you will, and and so it matters. Absolutely, no matter how small the action, no matter how large the action. And and this kind of leads right into um, what I'm going to be talking about in Sebastopol. You know, how do we deal with these, I call them the big four emotions that, that come up for us around climate change, fear, anger, grief, and despair. Um, and and what I'm also going to teach when I'm when I'm doing these workshops is that if we're willing, to work with and befriend these emotions in a very conscious and intentional way uh, and do this work with our trusted allies who are doing similar work, there's a tremendous amount of aliveness, vitality, creativity, and joy that we can experience as a result. As a matter of fact, on the last day of the workshop, the, the, whole, the whole last day is devoted to joy and celebration. And you know that I've said many times, as I did in the book that Guy McPherson and I wrote, Extinction Dialogues, that the more we pay attention to losses, including the loss of our own life, the more aliveness 
we actually experience. Yeah, it's a it's a powerful route. You know, like we say, there's no any one way to do this, but one one powerful route is to dare to go there, to be someone who dares to befriend these dark emotions and look at anger and look at the grief and the despair and and then become someone who has done that work. You know, for many, we're many of us and many of you listening, I'm sure, are teachers, your mentors, your leaders. You you thrive on that feeling of sharing information with somebody. And so by going through this work, by by taking this route as one of the many routes you take, that I have dared to deal with the, the dark emotions, and I can help you go there. I can, you know, even by just having that short conversation the other night on the patio, I apologize because I'm feeling something about the planet. Something as simple as that can can open the door and someone say, yeah, I've been feeling a lot about this too. And then you can begin a conversation with people because it's obviously challenging to to conversate about this. So we need these little tricks, these little helpers uh, to help spark these conversations. And doing this kind of work and being able to say, you know, I've been in anger about this. This is what I'm angry about. And then it's easy. A lot of people can flush out their anger first. That's one very good way to help get people into it. It's like, now what can we do about this? Right. And tell me more, and let's feel more into this. So, so you're being, you have opportunity to be a leader uh, by daring to go into your dark emotions, um, and then sharing it to the degree that you're inspired to share it. Thank you so much for that, Peter. Um, and in the time that we have left, um, there's one more thing we need to talk about, and and that was your suggestion, and I love this suggestion uh, this week in preparing for the show, uh, that if we got to speak, you and I got to speak at the at the COP21 Paris Climate Conference, um, what would we say? What would you say, Peter? Yeah, boy. That, that's uh, that's been brewing on my mind uh, quite a bit. This even for about a month now. Is it's easy to come up with this? Oh, they aren't doing it right, kind of energy. But but daring then to step into myself, what what do I want to say? If I had the microphone in the 193 countries or represented there, whatever the number is, what would I say? You know, there's so many details. There's so many connecting of the dots. There's so much that's going wrong, if you will, or not in a sustainable way for humanity as the definition of wrong there. But it, boy, for me personally, it keeps circling back to that bigger story, that bigger, we need a new story about what humanity is. We need to back up. Right. Are we a good, are we, are we a good species going somewhere important? I forget whose quote that was, but, but I love that quote. What are we up to as a species? Do we think we're going somewhere important? And if so, tell me what that important place is that we're, we're taking ourselves and all the other species and all the resources of this amazing planet. So my five minutes on the mic or whatever would dare to people to back up. We're so caught up in the forward progress energy that we've got to back up to say, who are we? Right. Who are we? And what is this new story that we could dream up together, us, the greatest minds in the world? What can we dream up this new story of, of what it is to be human at this time of transformation and and dare to sit with that and dare to sit with what humanity has done, the good and the bad, and can we create a new course for ourselves where we can create a world that works for most? Can we create a world where it's not about forward progress, 
and can we take the best ideas and frame a new vision for what humanity can be? Um, ah, that's where I would go with it. Yeah, and, you know, it would be great if you and I could speak together. Um, you know, it's it's a lovely dream. I, I like to just kind of play with it. Um, I guess part of, you know, all of what you said is what I would want to say, and then I would also want to just challenge people to um, let's just take some time to sit and feel about uh, what it would be like if we don't make it, if nothing ever happens here in this body called the United Nations. Of nothing ever changes. And, you know, what if what some of the most dire climate scientists are saying is true? Um, what are we going to do between now and then? Um, how do we want to live our lives? How do we want to lead our countries? What's important for us individually and in our communities? I guess that's what I would want to raise in, in those you know, imaginary moments of having that privilege to speak to this group. Yeah, that would be so powerful to to dare to take them there, to dare yeah. to do just what you said. What if, you know, we've done 20 of these and we haven't got very far. What's Why do we think 21 or 22 is going to get anywhere? We've got to come up with global consensus about the most challenging problem ever faced by humanity, and and we don't seem to have the gumption to do it. So let's just assume that we don't, and at COP22... The, there's actually, you know, the meeting is happening in a flood, <laughs> you know, right. and here we're, de- right. we're debating, <laughs> we're debating what's going on while we're having a once in 10,000 year storm in New York or <laughs> wherever the, wherever the meeting might right. be, you know, and to sit there going, you know, it's sometimes fun, I guess, for me creatively and in my imagination to imagine it as a movie or something. And here's all these dignitaries in this big old uh, arena talking about, how we're going to, whether this is even true or not, and then how we're going to handle it while they're flooded in. They can't even leave the building, you know, Absolutely. kind of scenario. And, <laughs> and human humanity caught with its pants down kind of thing going, uh, whoops. Right. You know, and then it goes right to your question. Okay, this, this is out of control. I mean, we could experience, we probably already have, but we could experience uh, weather extremes in within the next any day now that show us that we have no control of where where these systems are going. Right. And so, right. who are we then? And that's the question you're asking. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Who could who could we be? Who 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 do we think we are? If this is out of control, and we're not going to make it. Well, yeah. That'd be a fun conversation, huh? To have translated into. 85 languages or whatever yeah, it is and uh, absolutely and to see, Wonderful. see the faces see the faces of the representatives from all over the right. world as you dare to to have a seminar moment with them a workshop moment that says okay let's imagine the worst case scenario now and and what then well you know and i also get the i also just got the image of um you know all these people sitting in this body uh you know of <laughs> the governing body and all of a sudden water comes seeping in under the doors and it starts to rise up to the top of their desks or uh, perhaps the whole place uh, you know just uh, immolates become you know becomes on fire from heat you know um i'm i'm, I'm fantasizing here but uh you know what? What wonderful visual aids uh, for the kind of conversation we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and helicopters pulling them out the roof of. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a sick and twisted kind of thing, and you know we gotta 
we try to keep it light occasionally, and that's that's one of the ways you can keep it light. But but at right. the same time, dare to really feel into it. You know, movies are such a powerful part of our culture now, and and to feel into how will humanity show up, and not in the way that so many movies now. You know, it's let's see if we can blow up the enemy. It's some alien right. something that we need to blow up. Um, but to feel into, and that would be such a movie, such an amazing movie to see. Here's humanity going, oh, my God, it's happening right now, and we don't have any control, and real estate prices are gone, and money doesn't mean much anymore, and we're not sure where the food is, and how do we take care of each other or not, and and just humans sitting with each other going, wow, there is a couple of movies. There is one movie in particular I'll throw out there that you can get online. It's 444, uh, which is an interesting movie uh, about they know, they, they figure out that an asteroid is going to hit at 4.44 in the morning, New York time. That's the title of the of the movie. And so these people know they've only got a couple days to live, and this asteroid's going to wipe out what, however much of the world it wipes out, I forget. But Peter, I hate, to interrupt, I hate to interrupt you, but we've only got a couple of minutes. Um, I want to thank you so much for being on with me today, and I'm so looking forward to you and I just going up and down California and making all kinds of radical mischief. Um, yes. And you know, and just uh, raising raising all kinds of questions and having some joy and celebration in the meantime with everybody. Um, so thanks for being on the show today. You're so welcome. Thank you again for the amazing work that you do in so many ways. Um, I'm looking forward to meeting you for the first time in person here in just a week. Yeah, and uh, everyone listening now, please tune in again uh, next week on Sunday night. We're going to have a wonderful interview with Francis Weller uh, about grief, joy, ritual, and celebration. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. That the dice are loaded Everybody rolls With their fingers crossed Everybody knows The war is over Everybody knows The good guys lost Everybody knows The fight was fixed The poor stay poor The rich get rich